0: And welcome, this is the third week of the On The Vine podcast with me, Yaz Cook, and the mighty wine wizard that is Ben Franks, founder of Novel Wines.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. And this podcast is brought to you each week by Novel Wines, and we're going to be exploring all the stories and the weird and wonderful world of wine. Uh, We've got an interesting guest this week, haven't we, Yaz?
0: We have a very interesting guest, yes. Uh, Our guest is Emma Samways. Uh, She is the events manager at In Events.
1: Yeah, very exciting company. We've worked with Emma several times before and she's always done an excellent job. So we're going to jump in and talk all about events and her experiences of wine. So, yeah, let's get stuck in. (laughs)
0: well Emma thank you very much for joining us this week how are you I'm very well thanks for having me this is very exciting it's very exciting yeah, it's good yeah. to have you I'm excited to drink wine at 10 o'clock in the morning I've <laughs> <laughs> very excited about this no other job which you could get away with that so not even midday and uh yeah we've got to yeah. do it for research purposes of course. Re- yeah, yeah exactly yeah
1: benefit the wine world that is <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Emma you are the events manager at in events. so what events do you manage so I specialize with kind of working with corporate companies predominantly um with ones that want to make money from events so I do lots of awards and exhibitions uh but occasionally I get to do some awesome parties as well which are the fun ones to to do yeah I was gonna say what are your favorite um events what's your sort of favorite event you've ever done oh that's really hard oh, Lord, oh, oh sorry. my god I, I, almost... don't <laughs> I don't know so um I'm working with a client at the moment and I'm doing their anniversary party and i did okay. their anniversary party last year and their staff are really 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 good fun um so last year uh, we had a james bond theme and we had actors um and it was just a right giggle and you know they were checking into the hotel and these actors were popping out this year i actually can't probably tell you the theme because in, in case they listen okay. but it's going to be awesome it's going to be completely different um uh, so I went for a client meeting the other day walking around Bath and our teaser to their staff back in the office was a picture of me and their MD with you know Mr Bennett that's in front of the Jane Austen Museum in Bath Oh yes, with a picture of him so um, uh, yeah exciting yeah, things are happening. <laughs>
1: and at the James Bond event you must have had an interesting cocktail on serve Sure. So
0: we did we started the evening with um, uh, like a vodka martini yep. and mm-hmm. um, we also did like a, a gin and tonic as well for those people that weren't too sure of it. Obviously um, they all had like the olives in them yeah and the venue had laid out spelling 007 and a gun in the um shape in the glasses how it was laid out pretty cool amazing yeah sounds pretty cool um our event's better with wine would you say events are always (laughs) better with wine and alcohol in general you know events and alcohol tend to go hand in hand Mm -hmm. you know the great thing is that events you often do them to celebrate and alcohol and celebration always go well together
1: (laughs) so what is the the best way to get people started when they come in the door what do you want that guest to feel
0: so you definitely want them to feel welcome straight away so instantly a a free arrival drink you don't want people to have to go to the bar straight away and it's really nice if it's something a little bit different so uh, you know if there's a theme around the event definitely stick with that theme you know like with the vodka martinis for James Bond theme but something that works really well if there's a story at an event something that fits really well you know often where companies have like specific locations where they're from isn't it nice to just be able to serve a, a wine or something from those locations which is you know great because you guys have so many English wines now if they're based in Somerset or whatever there's probably a wine from their home location that they can serve that tells a bit more of their story yeah perfect i was just thinking actually because we're based in bath um where is the nearest um vineyard around here
1: we do a lot of work with oldwick estate who Mm. are based in the mendips absolutely beautiful vineyard um they've got some really delicious wines there they've got bacchus Uh, They've got a brand new red wine as well, which is a Regent. uh, But they're making some delicious wines. And their new sparkling is semi-sweet. So if you're a Prosecco fan, you can kind of graduate up with the quintessentially English. And that's Uh, the thing with events.
0: You know, uh, Prosecco as opposed to champagne as an arrival drink is a really good go-to. Because I don't know about... Well, obviously you guys... Ben loves whatever wine but sometimes for me champagne can be a little bit dry and actually that's not the best way to start an evening i mean it is if you want to do really good bar sales because instantly they're gonna go and top themselves up but like a a prosecco equivalent is a great way to if you're going for a sparkling to go yeah the
1: the thing with things like prosecco is sugar is always the crowd pleaser so whenever you have a nice dollop of sugar in your wine uh, you have a lot more people who enjoy a glass of of the wine and I think
0: with events as well often people can feel a bit anxious you know like before you go to a wedding or before you go to a dinner party or before you go to like a networking event or something if it has got that little bit of sugar it helps pip you up as well you know you you go in with your best energy once you've had a few swigs of that (laughs) <laughs> so, so talking of English wines then um, have you tried many of those you try to use them in events what's your sort of I thoughts on that I love an English wine oh, yeah. so I'm a massive fan of the Furley Estates that double yeah, wine stock lovely. I love them um, I uh, got to use them a few years ago for an event and we worked with them and I got to go down there and visit their like tasting barn and stuff to pick mm. up the wine and then I have been a lover since then but as I understand it, it gets quite limited so you have to get in and buy Is there sparkling isn't it Ben that, that yeah. gets you really limited you have to get in there
1: well it's really popular now because furley are making quite a champagne style so for english wine drinkers it's quite interesting to have that champagne style because it's really toasty and kind of uh biscuity as well whereas a lot of english goes very fruity so furley estate is quite unique in that sense but their bacchus fume which i think is one of your favorites (laughs) uh is basically takes all that lovely bacchus fresh fruit and because it's slightly oak aged it's got this yogurty tropical element as well Mm. so it's so easy to drink and tastes very continental in style um so that's a very nice one i
0: think my frustration is that um with venues it's quite hard to go with an english wine because quite often they don't stock them um and so they're doing all the italian or the french or whatever and so it's really hard to offer your clients something more unusual um and sometimes you just end up going with house wine because of price point because the markups are so ridiculous mm. what I'm encouraging more and more of my clients to do is actually to pay for corkage because uh, I'm looking at a venue for this party and their sparkling wine starts at 44 45 pounds a bottle which yeah. is astronomical you know yeah, and um, you know their champagne starts at like 70 pounds a bottle you know that's adds a lot to the event. But yeah. actually if you're paying 10 pound corkage plus uh, you know the bottle of wine you're saving yourself money and it's and you get something that people really really like and particularly like where people are often doing that now with their own weddings you know on a personal level it helps add to that special occasion and that special story to tell do you think your um, clientele, the people that you sort of um, manage the events for, do you think they're starting to become more interested in English wines and want to explore that a bit more? Yes. Yeah, so I think where there's lots of similar style events out there, the thing that makes people's events different is like the, the special little added extras, the little little things that make a big difference that make them memorable and so if you have a great wine or a great story to tell or you show people or they taste something that's completely different before that's the things that they're going to talk about oh it's not just another award ceremony or it's not just another bit of corporate entertainment there's something new and different i've tried here and experience and we as human beings love new experiences general you know we'd like to feel be made to feel really special like we're having something different to anything we've had before and that that person's gone the extra mile to make us feel like that
1: i think this the story thing really resonates with us so i'm i'm really interested how if you're running an event how do you tell that story so let's say people at home want to put on their own event and they have a story to tell and they bought all these nice wines they bought with this lovely decoration they've got a theme everything what as an events manager is the best way to get that guest to experience that story
0: so it starts with the invite so if you have a theme um so my 30th birthday i had a dinner party had a private chef come in and ben very nicely paired the wines for me but Mm -hmm. it started at the invite stage so um i did something like a custom invite that was designed along my color theme and my look theme of the evening and then as soon as people arrived they were presented with this table that followed on from that and it looked like i'm not just saying it myself it was amazing Um, and then they had this food which was food that I absolutely loved and knew that they would love paired with this wine and when the food was coming out the chef comes and explains you know what's going on and then this amazing wine that's paired with it and why it's been paired with it Um, it kind of makes it memorable and tells that story and you know my friends and that they talk about it being a great party and it was only a small number but it was so tailored to me and my taste and and what I love in life that I knew that they would love too. so how important would you say then is that getting that like you know that food pairing and that wine pairing sp- Spot on well i think there's nothing worse than when you know when you get to dessert and you're having like quite a rich dessert and you go to take a swig of the wine and then it's it's just too much mm. and you know you're already getting a bit full you want to save some room for that cheese course and actually the wine is just making it 10 times worse you want yeah. something that like helps to cut through that fat i mean i'm not the expert on these things but mm. i imagine it's all about like you want something a bit zestier to cut through that dense dessert and add to it rather than take it away
1: definitely yeah The thing with sugar is uh, you almost always need sugar on the same level to match with it. But the only way you're going to get away with not being too thick and clumpy and syrupy is to have acidity. Um, So it's really important to pick a dessert wine that has really high acidity. Because like you say, the worst thing you want is people to feel sleepy before they even got to the cheese course because the fun's only just starting right (laughs) you want to pick them up Uh, and that's the same with any course actually because acidity and salt are such a good match every wine needs acidity the Mm -hmm. red wine needs acidity all of it and the very best wines balance sugar and acidity Uh, and if you find those they're great
0: yeah I was going to say then how many wines should you have in an event do you need one for the starter one for the main I think if you want to do it properly yeah then you do go for one for each course okay um you know often uh, where maybe you're doing like corporate events and you have that one arrival drink and you do go for that sparkling wine because it's a crowd pleaser and then you do end up going for house wines because they're generally like crowd pleasers um you know that's you know what you do but if you can then tailor it because you know your menu in advance there's no reason why you can't tailor your wine selection to to it you know even if you're just doing one a someone who knows what they're doing will be able to pair a wine that's going to work across all all three courses and I guess that makes the event then especially if it's a big foodie event more of an experience because you're having these different pairings and you're sort of working your way through this this menu and and having different experiences at different times Mm. as opposed to and I think with dinner parties coming back into fashion now you know they were very much in fashion you know I remember growing up 80s early 90s and then somewhere they dropped off I think with the the rise of Wetherspoons and cheap drinks uh, yeah. and getting on the shots <laughs> and stuff and that's all changed now people don't have as much income to be able to 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 do those sorts of things and go out in town and they're spending more money on their mortgages and their properties so they want to stay inside with their friends and get them over but you can still create this like great experience of a, of something a bit different going to a really fine dining restaurant by Cooking the food yourself and having yeah. amazing wine pairings with it that you can tell the story. So we've selected this wine because of this, this, and this reason. And then the people coming, it becomes more of an experience for them. That's so interesting that dinner parties are sort of back up on the mm-hmm. rise. I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit. What would you say top three tips then for hosting a dinner party be? So you've got to invite the right people. Okay. Um so you know, it's a good to have a mix of introverts and extroverts, but you don't want that extrovert that's gonna take over the whole conversation. Yeah. Because, you know, everyone wants to be able to tell their stories um you've got to have good food uh, whether that's you cook that yourself or you're getting a really good indian takeaway in or whatever um and you've got to have it's a bit of fun to it as well so do you have like some party games do you okay. yeah yeah that's interesting you know, because like uh, you've got to have something that breaks up the evening a bit because you do Sometimes start running out of conversation, you yeah. know, where it's like maybe some of your partner's friends or whatever, and you know you don't know them as well. You need something that mm. kind of gels the you to go. And obviously, some good alcohol. There's nothing worse than running out of booze at a <laughs> party, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like a <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but also like that selection that's going to appeal to everyone because you know um, some people prefer spirits, which is great because you obviously do your your gins and your spirits now, yeah. and you know wine's not for everyone. But if you can pick wines that more people are gonna like, that's gonna help. You yeah. know, I'm just writing these top tips down. So <laughs> yeah. that's the perfect formula for, a, for a, um, a dinner party. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's right. I'm,
1: I'm quite curious now because you brought up that, and it's reminded me of Come Down with Me and things like that. And yeah. I just, I just wondered, has there been a, a do people get intimidated inviting you to events? Because obviously you're Ooh. the specialist. So have oh, you I don't know. have Maybe. you been along to other people's events and been like, oh, well, I'd do this and this, or or do you so just relax when you I try and keep
0: those opinions to myself as much as possible, or only share them between an intimate <laughs> circle? Um, I I always go with the view of I would like to steal some ideas from this because I think that's like the positive way to be. Yeah. Um, I always find it quite interesting going to people's weddings because um timings go out the window a bit there's a lot of like downtime where you're just kind of knocking about not doing much as a guest sometimes you know that slot where they do the pictures i always wonder how like people are gonna fill that um but you know you try and just kick back and enjoy yourself and go with the flow I think that's the best thing with it say, you don't find yourself trying to give some constructive criticism <laughs> what I would have done is <laughs> no, not to the not to the people sometimes I might have a word with a venue okay. but the thing is it's like when, ben, you, when you go to venues and you see some really awful wine being served I imagine that you go look I could help you serve some better wine let yeah. me give you my card you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or you see someone on the street doing like a dodgy bit of presenting <laughs> let me give you this one tip I can't, I that's can't gonna... watch television the same now I'm always <sighs> then... like mm, oh that link and was What's dodgy. going on in the background if uh, yeah. someone's under there with a screen, yeah, the lighting's like, yeah, right, yeah. you know, it's the mic's hard. gone, the mic's gone, yeah, yeah it's terrible. It's hard where it's in your industry, yeah, definitely. to completely step away from it. 100%. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm I'm more surprised you managed to stifle the comments because if I have bad wine at an event, I'll probably <laughs> yeah. tell someone pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> he'd just
0: whip out his own bottle, oh, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so here's one you I bought get earlier. Some
1: better wines <laughs> for this, <laughs> I think. <laughs>
0: my friends love watching me give feedback uh to to uh venues you you know when we go out for dinner and um you know it's not great service and they'll blame it on it being really busy and i'll go through how many people and how many empty (laughs) tastes and (laughs) perhaps they can't blame it on that and maybe you know but uh, generally i try and be really positive (laughs) (laughs) i guess sometimes you just have to switch off a little bit and enjoy the experience as well albeit you know what's going on there's times when you can it's not your event so you if it's back, going yeah, a bit dodgy like, well yeah okay <laughs> yeah and like exactly. with like um you know with like a wedding and stuff actually it doesn't really matter the food that you're eating or you know anything like that because all you want to see is two people get married yeah. really that's ultimately the important bit everything else yeah. can come crashing down around the day um <laughs> and you know that wouldn't matter as long as two people have got married yeah and as long as they do, enjoyed the event yeah
1: do you have a, a kind of event that you would love to run that you haven't ran yet like is is there kind of once I've got there I've made it like the the dream what's the dream? if you have one i mean
0: i don't know because i run other people's events it's really hard i have like dream clients that i would love to work with just because i think we have a similar ethos or because i attend their events currently and think that i could really help them okay. improve them who's a dream client apart yeah, from know, <laughs> <laughs> um so i have a real interest in rugby and um and I think that actually attending like rugby events and stuff, it's all about their experience. It's all about creating memories. And so I think that there is an opportunity in sports in general, um, but because I'm passionate about rugby yeah. um, in the rugby sector to improve their delivery on sporting days, but also when they're looking to um, increase revenue by doing other events in you know their facilities and stuff that they they could do those things better by making some simple changes. Okay. But yeah, sport, sport in general, but rugby, I would love to. Yeah. In terms of then, I guess, is there a celebrity or somebody like that that you would love to host an event for? Oh, again, I so uh, celebrities are interesting because they come hand in hand in your job and people think it's the really exciting part of your job. Yeah. But often you're not booking celebrities that you particularly want to. And most of <laughs> the time, they're really lovely, normal people. And sometimes they are not mm-hmm. and are quite challenging and interesting and you end up with your own little stories that you tell in your l- little private group yes, you know yeah. so um, not for public consumption <laughs> <laughs> um but i like i have a client at the moment that i'm desperately um trying to persuade them to um to book nigel owens the referee who's oh, yes. a, a gay referee he's, he's out and he um his story to tell is amazing they do a sports awards, and i think it's a really important side of sport to, to talk about 100%. you know there's this um twitter account at the moment from the gay footballer yeah. Yeah. um that's now disappeared offline yeah. and people want him to come out it. like it's it should be the it, it should be common in sport you know yeah. um but they it's not and i think that he would be a really good thing to talk to young and aspiring sports people about it's okay like if you're different or you don't fit the normal mold because actually it doesn't really matter sport should be and generally is all um supporting and encompassing
1: Um, i like this idea so i'm curious if, if you booked him how would you present the event How would you share that story?
0: Uh, Well, it's about giving him that that speaking slot to be able to to talk to the audience about it. Um, And I think that having that one-to-one time as well is really important with... So when... It's about the pre-briefing of, for him of like who the audience is and actually what part of his story you'd really like him to to focus on. And then it's um, it's saying you know can you stay behind for pictures and talk yeah, to definitely. to these aspiring athletes you know and these club run you know, people run sports clubs and volunteers and stuff about uh, about your story or for them to ask you questions even about refereeing and rules and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's all in the briefing so that he they are fully prepared. That's amazing to be able to, you know, should this ever happen, which would be amazing. Hopefully they will go for it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you're listening, yeah. Nigel. <laughs> but yeah, that's just an amazing thing, to something that's so relevant and mm. so important now, you can create a whole event around that. Yeah. And that's the great thing about my job that, you know, I can advise clients, you know, what what's going on in different sectors and stuff, yeah. and then book speakers around those, that are not necessarily going to be controversial, but are going to have an interesting topic to talk about that people in the room are going to be really interested in and that's again what helps make the events really memorable is you know showing people a different story or a different side of things or inspiring them and motivating them and you hope that they go away and talk about it to all of their friends and family you know and take one interesting thing or one life-changing thing away from it yeah
1: yeah sounds great i do have one question Mm. that um uh, for events that uh, someone mentioned to me when i said you were coming Mm. on um which is what do you do when it all goes wrong Mm. so if you're in a situation where everything around is falling apart what do you do
0: so the hope with events is that you have done so like 90 percent of the event work you're done in advance so if you have your timeline nailed down you've done all your briefings your suppliers and everyone knows what's going on it should be on event day really simple but the problem is because it's like a live thing Mm. um things do go wrong so you i've had like um a presenter before whose mother was taken ill overnight who can't then present the awards and it's about um using your contacts to then make these things happen and that's what my clients pay a lot of money for actually the good times they don't really know your value it's when things go wrong and you can solve things um and i think the key to to being able to do that is that teamwork element so my ethos with all of my suppliers and everyone work with that we are one team if they've got a problem i work with them to solve it if i've got a problem yeah. we all work together um so you just hope that it doesn't happen you hope that your pre-organisation is enough and then you hope that you've built up enough rapport and relationships to to call on people when you are stuck in order to to do it but generally anyone working in this industry gets what it's like and um, wants to help everyone to make it a success That's it's a nice team spirit Mm. that's how it should be that's how i think events should be
1: that sounds ideal because i have very stressful memories of running events so if someone like you which you have been before it takes all the stress yeah. away yeah. from from the situation you can just enjoy the event which exactly is and the that's best how it should be scenario. like uh,
0: for a client they should just be able to enjoy it there shouldn't be anything anything for them to worry about so the next part of the on the vine podcast is our blind tasting game where in the world so this is the part where we get a secret bowl of wine and you, Emma, the guest, uh, have to tell us where in the world do you think it's from? I'm quite yeah. nervous about this now.
1: <laughs> it's all right. I'm, I'm going to take you through the tasting process. So we're going to taste the wine together. Okay. Um, and then you'll get one guess. Uh, to try and guess where it's from based <laughs> on the tasting. I will drop clues. I've been yeah. very clue heavy this series. Okay. so I'll keep <laughs> it um, If you guess it the first time, you go on our Tasters of Fame board um at the oh, moment goodness. we have eleanor whitehead and tracy chapman have both guessed it first time no pressure, oh, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um and then if you don't guess it the first time what we do is we'll ask you three trivia questions and for each trivia question we'll give you a clue about the country so you i think i'm more stressed about generally.
0: the trivia questions because i'm pretty sure i'm not going to get it right the first time yeah. <laughs> and then like, i feel like i might start looking like a bit of an idiot you uh, know? it's right, a long time since i've right. done geography at gcse yeah. you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you'll be fine right fun in games yeah okay exactly. okay <laughs> so we've all got a wine here um so if you tell me what color it is first it, it is red it's red wine yes yeah so very red it's,
0: deep it's quite red. it is deep red it's like nice almost like blacky body. red isn't yeah,
1: it yeah mm. uh, yeah so it's kind of got that inky color and then also that ruby hue at the end so it's a little bit bright like a jewel right at the end there um and that just probably means it's less than five years old generally okay. um but Red wine can be very misleading in colour. So let's dive in and smell it. So we're going to give it a little bit of a swirl and then smell. What do you smell? Or what does it remind you of?
0: So it kind of smells a bit like barrelly to me. So is that oaky? Is, yep. is that the terminology you'd use? It's definitely oak I'm definitely there, yeah. not an yeah. expert. And then I think it smells quite berry like like quite fruity it's you know, definitely like it's really fruity oh, it's like cherries yeah. and things like that yeah 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 like dark fruits yeah,
1: yeah. Mm, yep dark fruits definitely okay have a little sip and okay. see if you like it first
0: oh that doesn't taste what I was expecting it to taste like no um it's really um like vanilla or like mm. really smooth or like caramely it's those sorts of it's really tasting. smooth yeah I yeah. was expecting a sort of like a torch. Taut- At the at the end, yeah, uh, just just roll straight off your tongue. Yeah, that barrier and it's quite dry, isn't it? Because it's quite. It is dry. Yeah,
1: yeah. Do you get the fruit as well?
0: Hold on, hold the line (laughs) (laughs) caller. Oh yes, I get the fruit towards the back of my mouth. Yeah,
1: a little bit of a. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. As
0: as I don't like red wine, I actually really like (laughs) that. I would drink that (laughs) quite happily because Mm. I find that it can be quite heavy. But that's really like light. It's not. You know, like sometimes I describe having red wine as a bit like, you know, a pint of Guinness where it's quite heavy and like it feels like a meal. This feels really light and like I'd Mm. enjoy that on its own or with sort of a lighter meal as opposed to something really dense. I was drinking a Shiraz last night. Oh, yeah. And that was, I had steaks. So it was quite, you know, like went with it. It was quite punchy. Mm. But this, yeah, I was expecting the same sort of taste, but it's not. So what would you pair this with?
1: So this is really good with lamb because it's got <laughs> the acidity. yeah. So it cut through the fat really nicely. Um, or it will go with things like venison and, and stuff like that mm. as well. But it's also an excellent pasta wine. yes i can see that yeah yeah. and the main reason it's like i was saying earlier you've got loads of fruit you've got a nice full body it's silky from the oak uh, so you've got that lovely oak flavor in there as well there's a little bit of sweetness from the vanilla but that acidity is lifting it all up so if you didn't have that acidity there it would just taste like jam yeah and a jammy red will just make you feel heavy (laughs) and tired so you don't (laughs) want that um so yeah quite fresh and fruity so in terms of guessing where it's from right so this
0: is the this is the <laughs> tough bit god yeah.
1: so what you have basically is uh color first right yeah. so a lighter wine is generally from a cooler climate because the things you need for color is a thick skin on the grape yeah and a hot climate so most thick skin grape varieties are grown in warmer climates anyway okay. there's a few exceptions to that like bordeaux wines um, so this is quite deep, you So it's saying. from somewhere warm, yeah. okay, have got this. So this we definitely got me. definitely got sunshine. Yeah. yeah. So we definitely got sunshine. So I'm
0: ruling out that it's probably, it's not an English wine yeah. I'm going to go with, <laughs> you know, okay. Um,
1: you've got oak flavor there. Yeah. And generally to soften an oak, you need a good amount of sugar in the grape. So again, we're going a little bit warmer, but because you've got acidity there yeah. and because it's not as full-bodied as your Shiraz wines, mm. um, you're coming back a little bit. So if you think kind of medium, uh, so if you were looking at Europe, you have Northern Hemisphere. Then you have, it gets a bit warmer. Yeah. Um, And then it's probably really hot if you're in uh, top of Africa, south of Spain, okay. that sort of I've, level. I've,
0: I, think, I think I've got a country. So in the middle, oh, you're going to okay. go. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go. Just do it. Gonna, well, I know you stock a lot of Hungarian wines, but I, yeah. I don't think you will have gone for Hungarian. Okay. Because I feel like that might be too obvious. So I'm going to go Croatian croatian i
1: tell you what you're very very close Am I? yeah put but it up, it's it right. it's italian Whoa, oh what? sorry sorry yeah so oh but oh, i wasn't expecting
0: Italian. <laughs> no, honestly wasn't expecting italian
1: so you might not think italian is very novel but this is uh two you've, you've quite really interesting really grapes hard i'm, I'm sorry. sorry that was a bit of a curveball <laughs> yeah wasn't it? That that's
0: was really unfair bit. so i tried to pick
1: <laughs> a more familiar country i'm sorry <laughs> um but this is two quite unusual grape varieties it's a Marzamino and Corpello blend easy for you uh, to so. say <laughs> <laughs> so these grapes are really weird but they're so tasty like i think this is a really why nice are they weird bread. So, they're, grown, they're not grown in huge quantities. So, there there's 3,000 grape varieties in Italy. So, there's loads of them. But um, these ones are grown in the northeast of Italy. And they're not grown on a wide scale. So, you won't find them in many places. And a Marz, Marzomino Grappello blend is quite unusual. So... This is the reason why we stock it because Italian wine is slightly less novel but the grape varieties are really interesting. So you were very close. You've had a neighbouring country so that's pretty damn good.
0: I'm quite proud of myself. <laughs> I mean I appreciated the clues and then yeah. I had a freak out about whether my, how my geography of Europe was going to do. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... yeah. And then I thought I was going he won't go Hungarian because it's too, <laughs> that's too novel. I'm going to go across from that, and yeah.
1: I would say temperature-wise and climate-wise you, you were on, yeah. on the right Track, Thanks for the clues on that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah hungarian wine would be a little bit um softer and a little bit more savory on the palate okay. there's a little bit too much um jammy berry yeah. fruit in here uh which brings you down a little bit okay so now we go into our next part what's the next part Yaz? so the next
0: part of our podcast is ask the experts so you guys have a question each from the community so emma first question for you how do you pick your suppliers how what makes a good supplier what makes a bad supplier that's a really great question i think most events you end up working with suppliers over a long period of time so you think weddings you often book those a couple of years in advance so first of all you've really got to like the people okay. you've got to check that you talk the same language you know because if you're miscommunicating with each other from the start it's not going to be a great working relationship. Um, And then it's about finding the, the right person at the right price. You know, prices do vary for lots of things, but it's about finding the one that's going to give you the best value for money and the best quality. And I think you often get that from the feel from their website. You know, have they got videos? Have they got, um, testimonials on there? Um, but a lot of it, I think is, is that rapport that you build up over the phone. You know, I know that we, with most suppliers that we can, we can find a way to work together. Um, but, people people by people and that's kind of important if you get a bad vibe from them then don't use them okay so that would be sort of your red flag would be yeah yeah if they're being difficult or creating too much work from you for you then i start thinking this is the wrong supplier for me you know How'd you find Ben as a supporter? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> God. Uh, no, I really enjoy working with Ben. Ben's um, great because he reacts really quickly when I have a question about something. He comes back to me really, really quickly. Um, but he also delivers that personal touch. So I often email Ben asking for wine pairings on mm-hmm. things. You know, that's my go to question for him. What wine would go really well for this? Or I want to buy a really nice gift for someone. What they like this, this, and this. So recently, um, for Father's Day, I emailed Ben and said, My dad loves Chateau Neuf de Pap what of your wine will he absolutely love and this is my budget and he instantly comes back with not just stoning the wine but the link to the page it's on the website and it's like (laughs) those small things that mean it's saving you time to do things that means that i just go ahead and do it
1: I mean what, what a lot of people don't realise is it's the best bit of my job I wish more people would email and say ah what pairs with this what goes with this can you recommend something because that's the bit we love I mean yeah. we, we spend all this time buying these beautiful wines the best bit is sharing them and to have feedback like that is brilliant yeah. So, and,
0: yeah and my dad he he went on the website after he googled the price of it to begin with because that's just typically him <laughs> and then he read he got to read all the story about the wine and where it came from and he absolutely you know was so over the moon that it was such a thoughtful gift and actually on my part it was really easy because I got Ben to do all the work yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do
1: yeah there you are
0: any wine questions send them over to the wine wizard <laughs> he's more <all> than <laughs> happy to help <laughs> Father's <Yeah>. Day <laughs> anniversaries yeah. yeah. birthdays like that. Yeah. new houses That's gifts it. yeah exactly just
1: go hello at Novel Wine and I'll answer your call or your email <laughs> well
0: both there's a phone number there somewhere is it there is Yeah. yeah. You can um, call so us. Ben the next question is for you okay uh from david actually in bath um so he asks what is the best wine glass to use at uh, events is it the sort of the thick and chunky more sturdy ones or the sort of thin more slender uh, type ones because at events different things happen breakages spillages that sort of thing what would you always go for
1: so glass type is quite Interesting. So you can be really nerdy about it and have different shaped glasses and bowls uh, for every type of grape variety if you take the vital route. Um, But generally speaking, what you need is a wide bowl uh, glass for your reds to make sure you get a good bit of air in there. It varies a little bit when you've got something like Cabernet Sauvignon and you want more of a tulip shape. Um, White wines, generally you want to keep a nice, flute shape so it should go narrower at the top tulip shape Um, and that's to just keep the freshness in the glass Um, sparkling wines generally you want a long flute just for the bubbles to move around in the glass Um, in terms of thick and thin uh, it depends on what you like uh, but also the Perk of having a thin rim is basically glass to wine, uh, because when you're sipping something, you don't want a big chunk of glass in your mouth. You want more wine, and you just—it's a more elegant thing to do. But obviously, if you're worried about breakages, the sturdier glasses are better. Um, but a well-made glass shouldn't smash if you knock it over. Um, okay. It might oh, smash if you drop it on the floor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, crystal glass is obviously very delicate. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, uh, yeah, if you're going up market with your event, you can go really nerdy and have different shaped glasses for every wine, um, or just get a glass you're very comfortable with. The most important thing for me is that it's got stem. Because you don't want to warm up your white wines, oh, no. and you don't want your red wines oh, I guess getting it was too warm. It's the
0: fashion warm. for a bit, wasn't it? To have it like came tumblers, recently, yeah. Recently, did it? Sort of those teardrop sort of ones yeah. you hold I mean, My dad loves his actually, but yeah. I'm telling him he's doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you
1: drink it quickly, there's no problem. But your hand is is you know it's going to warm up the wine. I love quick. that
0: tip. <laughs> it's in the wrong sort of glass. Drink it when <laughs> <laughs> you're drinking. <right?
1: laughs> yeah. A, time. Drink aware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please drink responsibly. Yeah. Emma,
0: I'm just going to throw it quickly back to you. So, do you when you're Doing your events, think about uh, this in terms of uh, what glasses you use. So I would do if it was a event where the brief was really specific about like the sort of wine, and especially if they were investing a lot of money in the wine that they were serving. I think generally, um, most wine glasses, you know, they kind of do the job at venues, and obviously sometimes the wine is cannot be the most important thing. I mean, yeah. I know it should be. I mean, we're <laughs> arguing that it is, um, but what my pet hate as an event manager is those really small wine glasses that are left yeah. over from like the 70s and 80s. You know, if I go into a venue that has those, they instantly look really dated you know today we like to drink out of bigger wine glasses mm. and so that's something that i really look for is have they got big wine glasses because actually that's what the audience wants to do you don't want to drink out of a wine glass it takes you three sips to and then you're done yeah yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. no. Yeah. Nightmare for more topic, the merrier up, isn't yeah. it really <laughs> 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 okay so over to you now Emmy, you've got a couple of questions i there. have so i have put these out to my friends that have asked some great questions wow. um so lauren has asked is the myth about the deeper the bottom the better the wine and i don't know whether this is a setup on this one is right. that actually true is that a thing
1: <laughs> so it's quite interesting so uh the punt is what it's called which okay. is the dip in the bottom of the bottle um in so for a while uh the interesting thing is there is a correlation if a winemaker really cares about the wine they're putting in they're going to invest more in the marketing and the bottle right mm-hmm. so they're going to go heavier bottle deeper punt the problem with that is nowadays everyone is quite rightly green thinking. So the bottle uh, weights and the bottle sizes have gone down massively. I mean, now there's no reason to have a heavy bottle. You find it quite a lot in Argentina. Rioja used to do it a lot. um, And Bulgaria still does it. But most people are waking up to the idea that they can save on transport costs and they can save on their carbon footprint with a much lighter bottle. So now when you find a punt in the bottom of the bottle and it's really deep, it's mainly marketing. I mean it will help you pour the wine so things like champagne it's handy to have a punt mm. so you can fit your thumb and fingers around the use bottom a good of the bottle. Twist at the bottle yeah because the important thing with that is from a sommelier point of view just like with the wine glass shape is they don't want to heat the bottle so the less of the bottle they hold the better because mm. it stays chilled um, so that's why the punt helps uh, but nowadays if you're walking in a supermarket which are all wines that have been commercially picked to sell very quickly um, the punt is marketing so you okay. can't choose a good wine based on the size of the punt um, having said that 10-15 years ago it was a good little indicator
0: mm, okay so um lana has asked why does some white wine taste like vinegar and she's gone on to caveat that by saying it's not to do a cheap or expensive wine it's even like middle of the range ones anything like that she gets the taste of vinegar from them what is it that she's tasting
1: So it'd be very unlikely that it's a fault because it's very difficult to make bad wine now. Wine-making methods have improved so much that people have to try quite hard to make a bad wine or have a dirty winery. And it's going to be very unlikely um, that you'll get wine like that. So what's probably happening is the sensitivity to acid. Um, So white wines are mainly malic acid, so green apple kind of acid. Whereas uh, almost all reds and some whites and roses go through malolactic fermentation, which changes all those green apple acids into lovely milky soft acids. Um, And people are all sensitive to alcohol. But you get two types of people that are sensitive to acid and generally don't like much white wine. Or they're sensitive to tannin and struggle with red wine. So what's probably happening is your friend has a sensitivity to acid um so she should pick uh more tropical warmer climate fruitier white wines and she'll have less of a problem
0: that's amazing thank (laughs) you that's right
1: um
0: so i've got another two questions so Millie asks is expensive wine worth it
1: that's a a very good question so my rule is if you've never tried the wine before don't go above 20 pounds so I think you can get some excellent wine, especially from weird and wonderful countries because mm. they fight quite hard to get into the UK um, for the 10 to £20 pounds mark. Under £10, pounds, a lot of what you're paying for is tax, packaging and everything else. Um, there are some great wines under £10. Pounds, they're just harder to find. Yeah. When you go over £20, pounds, if you've tried it and you loved it, it is always worth it. If you've never tried it before, it's a massive risk. Yeah. Because over £20, okay, you get some wineries that are very small production and they have to charge that sort of money. But what you have more often than not is good marketing, branding, positioning, all that sort of stuff. Um, and there are wines in there that are incredible. Some of the best wines in the world that I've tasted are well over £20. But if you've never tried it, I would stick to under 20 yeah. And always taste the wine before you buy if it's over 20 pounds.
0: Good shout. Yeah, you don't want to end up wasting your money, do yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. you know? Have one sip and you think, oh, what am I going to oh, do with yeah. this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Check it in with the pasta sauce. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cooking wine, it's yeah. a cooking wine. So the last question is from my friend, Lisa. who's asked, can you recommend some reasonably priced white, red and rosé wines? Ooh.
1: Yeah, definitely. Top so...
0: spectrum <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess one of each would be good. Yeah, yeah I could
1: do that. So... Um, I'm going to do it from another wine's perspective, but you don't have to buy from us. So, of course. Uh, for a red wine, if you want a really reasonably priced wine under £10, there's few wines that compete with Nero d'Avola, which is quite a full-body, jammy, juicy grape variety, mainly grown in Sicily. So a lot of the wines are organic as well because that region is trying to be organic. So you get really nice organic red wine for under £10. Um, and it's quite a crowd-pleaser as well because it's got a bit more sugar in there. Um, white wine. Uh, A really nice white wine under £10. If you look for Central Eastern Europe, so Ferment, uh, Riccatelli is another great variety. Basically, any white wine from Central Eastern Europe uh, in a supermarket or independent wine shop uh, has tried quite hard to be there, so it's usually good. Um, Sauvignon Blanc, less so under £10. is performing well now, so maybe you want to jump over to Unoat Chardonnay, which is performing really well under £10. Um, And then Rosé, if you can find an English under tenner, it'd be great. But more often than not, you probably want to look at Sicily again um, for that kind of warm climate, dry rosé, very crowd-pleasing, summer berries and yoghurt, that kind of flavour. Mm. So Sicily is probably, Sicily and maybe mainland Spain um, are the two regions who are really performing well under £10.
0: And apart from Novel Wines, where is the best place to buy wine?
1: Any independent wine merchant.
0: All about the independence. Yeah,
1: definitely. Because the people there have bought wines. They they care about their producers, their supply chain, everything. What you have in supermarkets is not bad wine, but you have a commercial checklist. You know, they're going, do we have a Bordeaux at this price point tick? Do we have this tick? And they're building their whole list based on market data. Whereas an independent wine merchant doesn't know that market data. They're buying wines because they love it um and you can go into an independent wine merchant and say i like this recommend me this and then they will and you can't beat that
0: yeah and it makes that shopping experience really nice because you get made to feel really special and that you've had a custom choice made for you rather than a computer that's picked that wine for you effectively
1: exactly so uh email me at hello at (laughs) (laughs) novelwines.com no but seriously do because i do it all the time and it
0: makes such a difference yeah
1: well, thank you very much, Emma. That thank was brilliant. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed having you there. Um, this has been On the Vine with uh, me and Yaz. So thanks very much, Yaz, for joining Not a me. problem at all. And thanks to Kat from Gardino for producing this episode. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks very much. I've been Ben.
0: I've been Yaz. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.